Hi there. Thank you for connecting with me and subscribing to the Living the Sky Life podcast. I'm a very tired and oftentimes overwhelmed autism warrior mom who has navigated the ups and downs of this puzzling disorder for 16 years and counting. My hope when creating this podcast was that it would serve as a vessel for connecting families with special needs children so we may share experiences and resources. But even more importantly, I want to create a community of support for one another through the tough times, which we know there can be many, and to celebrate the achievement of milestones, big and small, of our amazing kids. So thanks again for joining me on this journey and for tuning in for this episode of Living the Sky Life. Today's episode of the podcast has gone international. I am talking today with Hannah from Brisbane, Australia. Uh, Some of you might be familiar with Hannah. Um, based on her Instagram account called A Mate Like Tate, where she chronicles through video and photos of her adventures with Tate, who is on the autism spectrum. Um, Hannah's training is actually actually in speech pathology. She worked for a couple of years as a speech and language pathologist and then decided that she wanted to pursue her love of music And throughout that career path uh, switch, she was introduced to Tate and his family, and she became a caregiver four days a week for Tate. Um, She has such a great perspective on um, really assuming competence in every single aspect, and she aims high uh, for the goals for Tate. And I just, I love that about her and her outlook on autism and you know, treating Tate with huge love and support and is a member of his family and truly gets a lot out of her time with him as much as Tate gets out of his time spending with Hannah. So please enjoy my conversation with Hannah. So I have a very unique opportunity today on the podcast to record an international episode. (laughs) Um, My friend, my new friend, Hannah, um, is coming from Brisbane, Australia. And some of you who follow her on Instagram may know her Instagram account, um, A Mate Like Tate. So we're going to be talking about her her job with her friend, uh, 20-year-old Tate, um, who she is a support giver for. Um, So Hannah, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Laurie. I feel really humbled that you want to know more about me and Tate. (laughs) I love your Instagram page. His his videos are the best. (laughs) It's nice to know that he can kind of bring joy to other people too and make other people laugh. I think his family loves to hear that too because I get a lot of messages from people and um, I think his family's like, oh, wow, like other people find him really funny and really fun as well. So, yeah, it's nice. <laughs> he has a very infectious smile and his singing is, is actually quite lovely. <laughs> he does. Yeah, he can really just lift your mood instantly. Sometimes I go to see him and I don't really feel particularly great that day. And then he kind of changes that just just being him. So it is really nice. Aww, I love that. Well, yeah. so I guess let's back up a little bit with how you came to be a member really of their family and to be, be a support giver um, for Tate and, and people with special needs in general, I guess. How did you get into mm. that career, I guess, if you call it that? Yeah, it's a bit of a um, a funny one. I am actually a speech pathologist. So okay. um, I studied that at uni for four years. 
Um, so we go to uni straight after high school. And um, I worked as a speechy for about two and a half years. And I just kind of found that it wasn't really for me. I felt like really stressed all the time. And I don't, I'm not really 100% sure why, but it just didn't quite feel like the best fit for me. Um, so I was doing that for about two and a half years and I'm actually a musician as well. So I kind oh. of was like, Oh, I think I want to actually, I might dabble in some music. <laughs> so, um, I play piano and I sing and I actually got a message from, um, a man, um, an agent and he was managing, um, an artist who sings and plays guitar. And that's actually Tate's sister, Jess. So oh. I actually met Jess first and we, um, yeah, got along really well and formed a friendship and she kind of found out what I do for work and she was like, oh, I've got a brother um, with autism and I was like, oh, yeah. And at the time, Tate was in his last year of high school, so he would have been 17. Um, and, yeah, I just kind of wormed my way into their family and <laughs> I did some house sitting for them and things like that and um, Tate and I just got along really well. I still remember the first time I met him, I was walking up the stairs and um, – he was like just standing at the top of the stairs, just like staring into my soul with this <laughs> blank expression. And I was like, oh, here, this must be the brother. And um, he was just like, what are you having for dinner? Which is his favorite question to ask anyone. And I was like, oh, um, spaghetti. <laughs> I was like, this is an interesting guy. And I really liked him. And I was like, uh, we got along um, pretty much straight away. And um, I think Gail, Tate's mum and the family, they went overseas and I did a bit of overnight stuff with Tate. I slept over at their house and um, it went really well. And I think that they were happy to kind of have someone who could stay with him and who he felt comfortable with. And he graduated from high school and then I kind of completely quit speech pathology. So we were both going through a bit of a funny transition. Um, and and so Gail just asked me if I wanted to do some work with him. And, and I was like, yeah. So now I work as a carer um, with him four days a week. So is it all day? Do you, you don't stay there. Do you have your own residence and then you show up there I, or do you live I with do. them? Um, no, I don't stay there. I just go and see him. Um, I spend six hours with him Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and then we just do kind of a half day on Tuesday. But he does, um, he started doing some overnight respite at my place as well. Uh -huh. I live with my boyfriend and we have a spare room. So um, they were looking for some overnight options. And then um, Gail and I just spoke about maybe him staying here and it's worked really well because um, he doesn't, he is a bit nervous, I think, being away from home. He doesn't really like to be away from home for too long. Um, so I think that's probably why it seems like I'm always with him because his <laughs> mum's actually in America at the moment. So he has been staying with me from Sunday to Thursday night for the last two weeks. Wow. So he is kind of always here at the moment. <laughs> oh, I mean, just the connection alone being that quick. I mean, those of yeah. us who uh, have, you know, lots of respite workers coming in and out because, you know, people don't really hold those jobs very long. They just get no, burned out, which I, I understand. So yep. to have that connection and it's lasted, what, would it be three years now, four years? That yeah, you guys I think it's been? probably about two and a half years, maybe, maybe okay. about three. Mm. Wow. Yeah. It is. It, I think it is good for him to have that consistency, but I think it goes both ways because I've never felt so comfortable in a job either. And his family makes me feel so comfortable. Um, 
and I, I do kind of feel like it's my home. I kind of just let myself in. So it's a bit of a different kind of situation, I guess, to maybe your average carer. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's true that, and they've said that before too, they had a bit of trouble. They've had trouble in the past with, you know, just inconsistency between carers and having people there who just didn't really seem like they wanted to be there. Mm-hmm. which I think must be really hard, you know, as a parent and a family member to see that because, you, you know, you want them to have someone who's going to support them and who's going to really care about them. Yeah, and it seems like as soon as trust is built and they, they know who the person is that's coming and they know that they're not going to, you know, expect them to do any therapy or, you know, whatever, they're yeah. just a friend to take care of them, then they leave yep. and you yeah. start right over again. And, you know, yeah. as a parent, I'm just not comfortable leaving the house um, even though I have respite for after yep. until at least four or five times that they've been here, because mm-hmm. if something goes wrong, I'll feel horrible. So you usually stay, stay yeah. there. Yeah. I just go to yeah. a different room and do something else yeah. and give yep. them some time, but yeah. Yeah. I can totally understand. Yeah. So what is a typical day? I mean, I, obviously I've seen so many of your videos and they're just phenomenal. They give me hope for the future for Skylar. <laughs> oh, that's good. But, um, I'm glad. You know, what does a typical day look like for you guys? Like when you, do you have a daily and weekly schedule? I've seen him doing a little bit of pecs work, like a chore list and yeah. some of those things. Yep. So do you have an agenda yeah. when you go over there We've on Monday, Wednesday, been, Friday? We have been experimenting with lots of different types of schedules. He, I don't think they really used one before I came along because it was kind of just school every day and then home. And he probably didn't need one so much, but we have found that he is extremely motivated by his schedules. He loves them so much. If you, you kind of can be having a conversation with him and then all of a sudden you, he stops replying and you turn around and it's just because he's staring at your calendar. And it's like, it has nothing to do with him, but he just <laughs> loves them in general. And he's like, oh, you're going out for dinner on Friday. I'm like, yep. <laughs> Um, so we've tried, we've done a visual schedule, which was really good actually. And we probably should go back to it, but it was, it's, he's got six people living in his house at the moment. So it's really hard. Like not everyone has the time to kind of sit down and look through the pictures and put them up on the Velcro and stuff. So it is kind of something that we, we try to spend time doing together. Um, he did have also like a, a big schedule with everyone in the family's names at the top. And that, that was okay. But again, it's, you know, no one knows what they're going to be doing all week long and Mm -hmm. life is unpredictable. That's just, you know, he, he kind of just has to deal with that. I think living in a big family like that. Um, but yeah, we usually at the moment, what I've just been doing is writing a list of what we need to do and, and then he can put it in his pocket and I usually put the shopping on that as well. And so he can look at that. Um, but when he's highly anxious and he's having trouble making choices about what to do, that's something that he really struggles with. He's always changing his mind about things. Um, I'll usually get a proper schedule out, um, and, or his calendar out. His sister's made him like a personalized calendar. So I'll usually get that out and be a little bit more specific then. Well, that's good. I mean, I've seen you guys grocery shopping. I've seen you, you know, doing a lot of things. Does he like to be out and about? He doesn't, does he not like to be stagnant at home? Oh, he's kind of going through a bit of a, uh, his sister called it like a bit of a teenage phase at the moment where he just wants (laughs) to sit at home, play, play his PlayStation. So we really have to, but before that, he, he loves the outdoors. He loves going for drives and he loves, um, cooking and shopping. He really does love doing those things and he's really good at both of those. So they're really motivating for him. 
and um, he definitely, even though he takes a bit, of, he needs a bit of a push lately. He um, he does really love doing those those things. When we're out, he definitely he lights up a little bit, and yeah, he loves he loves being in the outdoors, and he loves animals as well. Mm-hmm. So sometimes we'll go to Sea World, which is really fun for me. Um, <laughs> but mostly, an average day would be shopping, cooking, and then running errands for um, his mum, who works at home at the moment. Is that something that has developed since you've um, been working with him or has he always been, you know, somewhat willing to be and wanting to be independent to do things for himself? I I think that um, he's with some, I think a lot of the skills were already there, like in cooking and things like that. And we've just kind of further developed them because um, I just want him to be as independent as possible. And those things were already really motivating to him. So they were easy to kind of, get even better at but I I don't think his family really you know you don't really have the time to target those skills when you're out shopping because you kind of want to just get in and out so I think the good thing about um, me working with Tate is that if if it takes us like an hour and a half to do the shopping that's totally fine and you know I can allow him to do absolutely everything and it's easy to kind of just sit back and and let things take like a really really long time just knowing that he's kind of building those skills um, but he, he definitely did. He definitely did already have a lot of those skills and we've just further developed them. Um, but he does, he has a bit of uh, like a little bit of learned helplessness. Sometimes he does really <laughs> expect people to do things for him, which, you know, and he's extremely slow. Like he moves, you know, when he's not motivated, he just moves at the pace of a sloth and it is so frustrating. <laughs> and and he's like, not a small know, man either. He, oh you know, he's no. A large man. <laughs> no. And he literally does not see like his spatial awareness is not great either. So he literally just plows through people in the middle of the shopping aisle at this really slow pace, but still manages to just like part the sea of people. <laughs> and I think that he does it on purpose sometimes because if he does, you know, he knows you're gonna do something for him. Could be mm-hmm. like, oh, I can't put my shoes on or I can't put my shirt on. And what we've learned over the last couple of years is that he's actually totally capable of doing those things so you know now that we've got time to push him to do things for himself I think he's going to be even better at developing some of those skills and gaining a bit more independence yeah it's funny how manipulative their their little minds yes. can be <laughs> they're yep. kind of like three-year-olds yep. Skyler's mm. the same way I mean he just goes limp when he's walking like I just can't walk anymore <laughs> just like a toddler throwing a tantrum <laughs> yeah yeah like you're bigger it's than so me, crazy. <laughs> I know. And he's oh, like, even when we first started shopping, Tate would, um, he once turned to me he picked up our two shopping bags and he held them out for me to carry. And I was like, who do you think you are, buddy? <laughs> this is not going to be like that. Oh my <laughs> so gosh. It's just, you know, and like, I can imagine he would have slow, you know, like his mum and his sisters, when they would go shopping with him, they'd probably just grab them because that's going to be easier than waiting for him to do it. Mm-hmm. But now I'm like, we've got the time. We've got six hours today. <laughs> we yeah. can just, I can wait for you to carry them. So well, I guess that's the thing too, with, with shopping and his chores and some of those other things. Did it take you a little bit of time to, um, to, to wait that uncomfortable amount of time to not just instinctively want to kind of take over and say, well, here, the item is right here, or you need to put yeah, this away. It, 
Definitely, definitely in some instances, when he comes to my house, I just don't let him in the kitchen because I'm like, I don't want to scrape like raw meat up off the stove today that's dropped out of the pan. Like, so I, so there's definitely times like that, but I think I'm pretty good at, at standing back with most things. I think my sister has done a little bit of work with Tate when I wasn't available as well. And she kind of said to me one day, like, how do you just stand there and wait for him to find things on the aisle, in the aisle when you can see it, you know, and he's kind of still looking for it. She's like, how do you just stand there and wait? And I've never really found it to be difficult because I know it's good practice and I enjoy watching him figure it out and read things as well. So, mm-hmm. but there it is, you do have to let go a bit, don't you? Because even when we're like, we're cooking meatballs and you know, they're not meatballs, it's just becomes mince. And so I have to let go of that, you know, that perfectionist side in me <laughs> that wants to make like follow the recipe perfectly. Cause mm-hmm. I can be a bit like that. <laughs> so I've, I definitely have had to learn to let go with little tiny things like that. I think that's a struggle that I have just, I'm, I'm also very much so a perfectionist. Um, I'm OCD where cleanliness is a big deal to me. And I also have very low patience. So I'm, I'm a great mom. <laughs> oh, that's <laughs> funny because I've actually, uh, out of, you know, the kind of the Instagram community of um, mums, they a lot of them say the same thing they say that they are really neat and clean and you know it's kind of hard for them to sit back and let those you know that mess happen mm-hmm. a lot of them say that and yeah it is true it is hard to kind of watch things be- become messy and then I kind of think I'm gonna make Tate clean that but he's not really I'm gonna have to go in after him and do it <laughs> <laughs> but yeah but it's it's still it's nice to kind of watch him grow in that way Yeah. And let him do it his way. I think that's the other thing that's hard is, you know, when he's doing his chores and he stacks up all of his stuffed animals or whatever, just on his nightstand and (laughs) that's where he's going to put them for the day. It's not really putting them away. So, you know, I would just have to let go of that. Like, okay, well that looks good. And you did that on the, in the video that I saw, you're like, you're going to put those there today. Okay, great. (laughs) Yeah. And (laughs) but in my mind, I was like, better go there. But I'm oh, like, this man. is his room. Like, this is not my room. So, <laughs> yep, that's true. That's true. Yeah. I guess it's but not he, worth getting hot, hot and bothered about little things like that. Exactly. And his family is so chilled out about those things as well. Like they do not, they do not care. They're totally fine with you know that happening and him kind of just doing things at his own pace. And so I've kind of just I try to do what they do as well and just go along, go along for the ride because they you know if we make meatballs and it it's actually mince they don't say anything they're just like this looks delicious Tate you know so <laughs> they don't care I'm like why do I care <laughs> well is is his relationship with his parents has it always been as close as what he has with you I mean does he do things when they ask him to or does he tend to just kind of favor you when you ask him to do it um I think I think I've got pretty, uh, I, I think it's a bit of a mix. I think he definitely listens to his mum and she'll kind of choose her battles with him. Like sometimes she'll say, all right, you know, you can have another bowl of mints. But then sometimes she does just turn around and say, Tate, you need to go away. And then as soon as she <laughs> says that, he's like, <laughs> he's out of there. So, but I do, he kind of, he does get into a bit of, I guess I don't really want to use this word, but that's what it is. It's kind of like he engages in some bullying behavior with a few people and uh-huh. he'll become fixated on certain people in his family. 
Right. Um, so he kind of became fixated on his sister. He's got two sisters. Oh, okay. Um, and he he was just really obsessed with his older sister for a long time. And as soon as she'd get in, you know, he was really close to her and kind of like towering over her and asking her like, you know, what she's doing and where she's going to be. And I guess it was because she was at uni. So her timetable was always different and she had a boyfriend and she was often staying at his house. And um, that was really hard for him to, so he was really fixed. And every day it was just like, what's Jess doing today? Like, where's Jess sleeping today? And Jess is home and he'd drop everything. And I was like, oh, I felt like he had such good concentration and now it's just, he can't, you know, he's really fixated on her. And so we had to do a lot of work on that. Um, and she actually did a lot of work herself. Tate sees a psychologist. Mm-hmm. And um, so we got some tips from her and, and Jess actually started implementing those really well. And he's totally stopped that obsession with her now. So I think that they're still kind of learning how to, um, I guess it's not about gaining control, but they're kind of learning about how to react when he engages in some of those behaviours. Mm-hmm. Um, or not react. You know, they, yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Yeah, that's it. And not react. And I think that's a big thing that we've been working on this year is just um, like he'll get stuck in that loop with his family. Um, you know, he loves his family and he feels so safe at home. He loves going home and he can't wait for them to come back next week. But but because there's so many of them there, he it causes a lot of anxiety for him and he just gets stuck in this loop. And yeah. then once he's stuck in it, you just can't get him out. And so we've been working on just not responding and just kind of making the expectation clear like you know you're asking the same question you're yelling and you're standing too close so we're going to put the timer on and we're not going to speak to you for 10 minutes and I think that's quite a challenge for everyone in the family and me as well to just not speak for that long so yeah I think I definitely think um oh sorry no I was just gonna say just to what you said I can imagine that if he has the house to pretty much himself with you for a period of time and then everybody comes back and kind of mm. infiltrates his space. He's probably yeah. a little territorial. Like, why are you, go- you know, don't touch yeah, that. That's how I want it. <laughs> he so. is always like, are you going out today, mum? You going to leave the house? It's <laughs> like, you come back at 5.30, hey. And she's like, no, I'll be back at midday. And he's like, no, you're coming back at 5.30. <laughs> he he really doesn't. Everyone yeah, has a schedule like him. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And the thing is, Gail works from home now because um, Tate's stepdad lives at the house as well. And they've just... They've got a um, company and they sell um, these lock jaw ladder grips. They lock your ladder into place. So that's okay. kind of starting. That's why they're in America at the moment. That's why they're, they're um, that's kind of starting to, to get bigger. And Gail's um, stopped working, I think, the end of last uh, 2018. And she started working from home. So he's still, Tate's still not quite, you know, that's still hard for Tate to understand. Mm-hmm. He still wants her to leave. <laughs> And, um, Can't you go to a coffee shop and work or something? Yeah, <laughs> well, she face. she does work. Um, we kind of in the kitchen, and she's kind of around the corner in the office. So that's that's a big challenge is trying to stop him from going in there all the time and asking her questions. And but um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I think, when, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say. I think um, at at different times. Um. I don't know. His relationships with, with his family seem to be always changing in my mind, I think. 
Yeah, I would just I think it would be interest, an interesting dynamic to watch when you're in the house with him and his family, like his mom is working, you know, in another room or something mm. too. If he yeah. tends to go more to you for the authoritarian, like, you know, can oh, I do yeah. this? Can I make this? Can I, yeah. mom is just around the corner in another room. If he tends to gravitate to you as you're the person that he needs to get approval from to do something. Yeah. No, he definitely doesn't. If his mum's there, he definitely goes to her and he knows he's, he's not supposed to. <laughs> so <laughs> he definitely, no, no. Gail's at the top. And then I think I'd probably be underneath Gail. That's so <laughs> I think funny. I'd be after Gail and then he'll come to me. Um, yeah, it is funny. <laughs> it's really hard to stop him from going in there. And it's hard as a carer to know when to step in and when I'm kind of, when I need to back off and let Gail, you know, handle it yeah, because yeah. it's hard because then we both start trying to take control of the situation. <laughs> and so we kind of have to take turns in that sense. And like, yeah, it's hard to come into someone else's home. And I guess you're kind of changing things and you're doing things a little bit differently because there's not always someone there kind of coming in and, you know, bring it, guiding Tate away and trying to distract him and uh -huh. trying to, you know, put consequences in place and that sort of thing and rewards in place so so yeah <laughs> yeah he definitely always goes to Gail he knows she's the boss of the house <laughs> <laughs> it's funny I mean you said you told me earlier that he's going to be 21 next week and it, yep. it doesn't matter how old um they get it seems like there's still that element of childlike you know behavior in there the way yep. they respond to things or throw a tantrum or like like you said he just kind of bulldozes his way into situations or just sides that he mm. can't handle a task yeah. that he does all the time yeah they just have that yeah. like terrible to creep up in there <laughs> yeah yeah it is interesting it's kind of like a di he's becomes a different person almost you know yeah because it, it's like we can be doing such a good job cooking and he's doing such good listening and I'm like I'm gonna make sure I reward this behavior and and tell him he's doing such a great job but then there's just something about you know assist one of the sisters come home and something about that is just you know he suddenly he's like okay my attention's gone and now I'm I need to know what my sister's doing and I don't care about the cooking <laughs> it's gonna burn well um you know obviously you came into his life when he was pretty much in, entering early adulthood and um I know that you've, you're a member of the family pretty much at this point. H have you guys discussed his childhood and his development? And I would just be anxious to know yeah. uh, anything you can share with me about his diagnosis and um, if he was diagnosed at a, at a young age and if his speech was delayed and he gradually, you know, learned communication styles that worked for him and all of that. Um, it would just be interesting to hear his background. Yeah, he... Um... I know that um, I think things were fairly appeared to be fairly typical up until maybe about two or three. I'm pretty sure he received the diagnosis at three um, because Gail kind of noticed that a lot of his milestones, speech and motor milestones were delayed. Um, I do actually know his milestones. Um, I think by three, he had about five words. And then I'm pretty sure at three years old, Gail and Tate's dad, Mark, traveled to America. I'm pretty sure yeah. this program was in Philadelphia and it's called the Institute for the Achievement of Human Potential. Okay. I don't, I don't really know too much about it, but it was like a very full on program. Gail said that she kind of did for about two years 
her and Mark took time off work to do it and it would go all day, every day. I think it involved, you know, exercises, flashcards, diet changes and that sort of thing. And um, so they did that for two years in America and then they came back to Australia and, and continued that program for another year. And I think he gained a lot of his language throughout that program. Um, but I'm pretty sure by the time he was seven, he was still kind of just speaking in three word sentences. Um, and then I think Gail said that he had acquired quite a few sight words by seven. And she thinks that his reading has pretty much stayed at the same level up until now as well. Okay. Um, yeah. So he kind of, I think after that program, she said she noticed a massive difference. And um, I, I don't really know much about the program, but I obviously always am a big advocate for early intervention. And that sounds exactly like what she did with him. She got in really early and um yeah, and he's, you know, he's he he is pretty good at reading. He's got a really good visual memory, lots of sight words. And it, it seems like his language probably just slowly improved from seven, from when he was seven, because he does speak in, you know, sentences now. Mm-hmm. He can he's communicate. He's easy to understand. Well. I, I would yeah. think, you know, I feel like I can understand everything he's saying. His sl- speech is a little bit dysarthric. It's kind of slurred at times and he does have some speech errors and some grammatical errors as well. So unfamiliar people um, find it hard to understand him and he's chatting to everyone as well all the time in the elevator, you know, everywhere we go and people will kind of just stare. So I'm surprised by how many people don't understand him who don't know him. But um, I think if he could learn to slow down, um, yeah, he's he's lucky to have that you know, that ability to, to communicate verbally. Well, so would they lived in um, Philadelphia area or in America for those two years that he was in that program? Yeah, are I think there, they did. Are there not, um, or what kinds of services are offered in Australia or kind of in the area where you guys live? Um, you know, being a former speech pathologist, were you yeah. working obviously in Australia or did you come to America to work too or? No, I worked in Australia. There's definitely um, a lot of um, health services here in Australia. There is something called Autism Queensland as well that a lot of people go to. There's plenty available, but I do think that, you know, 18 years ago, there probably wasn't as much available. And I don't really think early intervention, there was as much of an emphasis on early intervention as there is today. I don't mm-hmm. know if you'd agree with that. Uh, absolutely. Um, yeah. So I think working as a speechy now, there's, you know, there's, there are plenty around here, lots and lots of speechies and OTs and physios and things like that. Um, but I don't actually know how she got onto it. I think that she probably just thought that that was more appropriate and that was going to be better for Tate at uh, that time. Yeah. We're always willing to do whatever it takes, whatever it costs, exactly. <laughs> whatever yeah. we have to do. That's a huge was, sacrifice. Did the, did the entire family come or did some people stay back? Cause I know oh, he I actually has don't, sisters. Yeah. He has his older sister and I actually don't know about that. I don't think his younger sister would have been born. Um, I don't know if they lived there or if they kind of went back and forth or how long the program went on for, but Gail did say to me that it was just absolutely exhausting doing all of that. It was really long days and, um, and yeah, they, you know, they both had to work part time to kind of make it work. And it sounds like it was pretty much just three years of nonstop, nonstop working for them. So, 
Yeah. It's a huge sacrifice. I mean, gosh, I feel oh, yeah. guilty now complaining that we had to take a, a day flight to New York and back in the same day uh, to see oh. one of Skylar's doctors. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah. Traveling with him was like just so much anxiety built up with, you know, preparing to get on the plane and oh, sure. be there for the day and then fly back yeah. home the same day and all that stuff. But it worked out fine. It's just, I cannot imagine. Yeah. yeah it's a long way, long way to go, isn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It can be. So now um, you said Jess is his older sister and is Tess his younger sister? Yeah, Tess is the young. Yep, that's right. How far apart in age are all of them? Um, Jess is 20, uh, I think she's turned 24 this year. Okay, so and there's Tess three years. just turned 18. Yep. Yeah. So he's kind of in the middle, fairly well in the middle. And so Tess is the musician? Um, no, Jess is the musician. Jess the older is the musician. Yeah. I got mm -hmm. you. Okay. So she's gotcha, gotcha. at uni. And actually, Tess is just about to go to uni as well. And um, yeah, they're amazing, amazing sisters to take. They just love him so much. It's awesome to watch them hang out with him, actually. It's so cool. He's so lucky to have them. But I think that they feel equally just as lucky to have him too. I can imagine. And with Jess and Tess being sandwiched, you know, with, with Tate being sandwiched between them, um, do they, I imagine they have different experiences with him growing up because uh, obviously he was a little brother to Jess yeah. and then, you know, that's all Tess has ever known and all Jess has ever known really mm, um, of having mm. a brother on the spectrum. So are their relationships similar with him? Or I know you mentioned earlier that, you know, he and Jess kind of have gone around and about with yep. their relationship just because of her being older and doing other things. And um, mm. I didn't understand that. Um, I yeah, I think, I guess, um, I probably should have gotten them to, I, I think this is just my observation. So I don't really want to take away their story or anything like that. But they, they, to me, are so, they interact so differently with Tate, mm -hmm. um, even though they both love him so much. I think, um, you know, they've just got different personalities, the girls as well. And like Tess, even though she's the younger sister, she's definitely got this authority over Tate and like she does not let him get away with anything. And I actually, I love it. Um, it's it's a very typical, you know, brother-sister relationship, but I think it would be easy if you had a sibling with autism to kind of let them have their way. But more often than not, she does not do that. And I love that about her. And I just remember... Um, I went, we went, she's been kind of hanging out with us a lot lately. And when we went out for lunch and um, he tried to take one of her chips or something and she was like, did you ask? And then he just <laughs> quickly put the chip back. And I remember thinking, oh my gosh, that's awesome. Like <laughs> she just doesn't, she just pulls him up on everything and he's totally, you know, he goes along with it. And I think that their relationship is really, she spent a lot of time with us lately and I feel like it's changing at the moment. And I feel like he's, yeah, they just, I don't know. It's just different relationships. Whereas Jess is, you know, really sensitive and she's kind of like, lets it roll off her, you know, yeah. she, it's like, I want to do this. And she's like, all oh, right. And you know, whatever sort of thing. So they Sounds love like him she so doesn't, much, but different. she doesn't want to be as confrontational with him. This. No, no, it definitely, it doesn't concern her as much. I don't think sometimes too. Although, you know, I think she, she will, if it really matters to her, she'll be like, um, no, Tate, I don't want to do that. 
whereas Tess is like, well, you know, you need to say please first and then I'm, <laughs> I'll think about it. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's just, but I don't know, it's funny. It's really funny watching the three of them. I really love, I love their relationship and he loves them so much. He's just obsessed with them and he gets excited for them about things even when he's not involved and yeah, it's, it's awesome. They just care about him so much. That's all you can ever hope for as a parent, <laughs> you know, that your yeah. kids just bond in, in any way possible. Um, do yeah. you, are you preparing him or do you think he'll have an equally difficult time when Tess goes to the university? We've been talking about it a little bit and I did ask Tess, I think she knows her timetable now. So I think we'll, um, I'll definitely get her to write that down for him just so he knows what's happening. But he definitely seems to be switching his kind of that obsession to Tess now um, because <laughs> it is, and I guess it's, yeah, because a change is happening and he knows something different's happening and he's like, when's Tess going to uni? When's Tess going to uni? So yeah, I think we will, we're starting to do a lot of prep and I think I'll continue to do that prep with him because I'd say that, yeah, I can see their relationship changing at the moment because she's just around more often during the day too. Mm. Well, and he's a little older now, so maybe this time around he'll understand after having gone through it once already with his other sister, maybe he will yeah. take it as hard that she exactly. is coming back. You know, she's not gone forever. Yeah, you know? I think he will. I think it'll be much easier this time around. Yeah. So he has extended family close by too, right? Like aunts and uncles that he spends a lot of time with. Yeah, he has his un um, uncle Ken and his aunt Sue. He's there every Saturday. Oh, um, they're so much. sweet. I know it's so awesome, and I think Ken was saying to me. Everyone kind of says to them, "Oh, you're so amazing for having, you know, for looking after Tate." And he's just like, "I I feel lucky." to have Tate to hang out with. They do karaoke together every Saturday. <laughs> oh no. And, oh my God. I hear, oh, they love it. I hear about it all <laughs> bloody week. I'm like, yes, yes, I know. Ken and Sue are amazing. <laughs> He's practicing on, on like YouTube and oh, he loves it so much. And it's, it's awesome for him to have. It. And it's a consistency as well. It's every Saturday. He knows he's going to Ken and Sue's house. And yeah. And um, yeah. When did, when awesome. did they establish that? Was it, oh, has it been a long time that they've been doing that? I think it has. I think it's been longer than I've known him for that they've oh, been doing that for. so great. Yeah. Yeah. He has a lot of, you know, his um, stepdad's mother as well used to kind of, used to take him for really long train rides during the day. And he's got a lot of, a lot of support around him. I think it's, it's, it's not hard to see why he loves people. And he, you know, he just has that love for socializing. Cause he, he, that's the way he's been raised. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's really cool. Gosh, his parents are to be commended and you and his sisters and his aunt and uncle and everybody that has played a part. And he just, he, <laughs> like I've said before, he is so entertaining to watch and it's because it's, it's pure and it's so innocent. Yeah, like you guys, like you've posted before about, you know, I love one of the videos with his sister, I think maybe. And um, and now is Popo, is that how you say it? Is oh that, yeah. Popo. Popo. Is she, is she a grandmother or a, yes, yeah, that's Gail's mother. Yep. Okay. So they were in a room <laughs> cleaning or doing something and he was singing, I think in the shower, like in a different room, but really loud. And they knew oh, yeah. was like, nobody even flinches. Nobody even acknowledges that he's singing because he sings all the time. It's I so thought that funny. was hilarious. 
it's funny coming in from the outside because I come from a family of four and we're all really quiet. We don't make a ruckus. We don't, you know, we go to the shops, we mind our own business. We don't draw attention to ourselves. And so it's so funny to me coming in and I still, even after two and a half years or three years of knowing Ted, I still crack up all the time. I find things that he does so funny. And I look at his family and they're just kind of like straight face, like carry on. They didn't even notice. <laughs> I'm like, that's just what it's like, I I guess you know it's that's their normal that's just a typical day i think there should be a mate like tate reality show because i would watch it i oh, think so that nice. would be awesome the karaoke's on saturday and all of that i would love to be a fly on the wall at, at all of these things oh that's what it's like it is really just fun watching him and yeah like <clears> his his attitude to life is just contagious it just makes you feel good being around him and um yeah, he he's he does. He has an ability to just connect with people in a really special way. And he, we've got friends everywhere we go. We go to this restaurant grilled and, you know, they threw a party for him and they taught him how to make his favorite burger. And <laughs> we were like, wow, like, this is so nice. And they were like, oh, we love Tate and we know his order and we love it when he comes in. And it's like, that's so nice to hear that he's just impacting people by just living as himself. Uh is it a small community that you guys live in? I mean, where a lot of people do know his family and him and at the grocery store and places that you go, his familiar yeah, face. We, we do tend to go to the same. It's just within his suburb in Brisbane. Uh -huh. um, uh, yeah, that people definitely know him. And I think even his mum joined a community page for the suburb she lives in. And she posted about this experience Tate had at um, our local Grilled. And um, people commented on there and they were like, oh, we, yeah, we know Tate. And I remember he used to ask me what I was having for dinner <laughs> and things. And even the other day, this lady came running over to us in the street and she was like, oh my gosh, um, can you please help me? I really need, like, can you please take us to school? Our car's broken down. And, and Tate and I were like, oh yeah, okay. So we drove from there and I was like, oh, this is Tate. And they're like, yeah, we, we, we know him. And I was like, I bet they can He's hear a celebrity. him singing. Yeah. <laughs> Like the street knows him and then I don't think Tate's parents even knew who these people were, but everyone knows who Tate is. He's got oh a huge presence. God. Well, he definitely has an international following because there are a lot of people <laughs> in America that follow him too yeah, and follow your adventures. Really nice. Yeah, now, it's really, really he, nice. Would he um, be able, you think, in the future to be able to volunteer anywhere or work, you know, a few hours a day or a week doing anything like I mean, gosh, it sounds like he might want to work at a restaurant and just take people's dinner orders, you know, yeah, and like yeah. <laughs> help with the that. Thing, yeah, like it has to be motivating because I think he's definitely tried to do, um, he did a program once where the pe they'd actually come in and um, teach him, help him catch public transport and then they'd take him to a retail store here um, and a grocery store. And the idea was that he would be able to do that independently one day, you know, catch a bus into work and go there. Um, but he just, oh, he was not motivated by it at all. It yeah. wasn't, he just was not interested. He's not interested in doing very repetitive tasks, which I think sometimes people with autism can in, in, enjoy doing. He's definitely, he doesn't like that. He, he loves talking to people. Um, and he's really good with direction. So uh, we've even talked about, I think his sister Jess said, maybe he could help people find their way in the hospital or something like that. Yeah. That would but, be um, neat. 
I think he would just, he would need support because I think he would just, he would follow them and he'd be like, why are you here? I'm like, what are you doing? What are you having for dinner? Where's your car? <laughs> so like he would just get too into it and he'd just want to chat to people. But I, I don't know. We're definitely still trying to explore different things and look at some volunteering opportunities. And I think at the moment, my goal for him is just independent living or, you know, for the future. So that if he, if we want to keep it open so that maybe he can live in a share home or something like that and yeah. have carers come and visit him, you know, and have that expectation, set that really high expectation. And so, yeah, at the moment, I think we're just working on increasing his daily independence. Yeah. I mean, those, those are phenomenal things and it's so great to, to know and to see that he can pretty much take care of himself as far as dressing and grooming and all of those mm. things. And he, he can cook and he can ask for what he wants and, all of that. Um, yeah. I think it's so much bigger of a challenge that we face when he, when my son is Tate's age, if he doesn't get some kind of communication structure, he's yeah. nonverbal. Um, so I mean, we just haven't found anything that's successful with hex or oh, yeah. picture, just anything at all yeah. to communicate. So that's the mm -hmm. struggle. With and that's probably him. the first step as well isn't it you've kind of got to get that going and then you could think about what's going to motivate him in the future mm -hmm. what he could do with his days when he yeah when he's not at school and that sort of thing because I don't think anyone wants to sit around I mean we no. don't and I know they don't and you're right not everyone on the spectrum wants to do a mundane task of like pricing items all day no or, no you know sticking a widget in a <laughs> in something yeah. and just doing an assembly line yep. type job yeah, not no, not everyone wants to do that. I think that's the stereotype, isn't it? But it's not everyone's reality. It has to be motivating because, I, you know, Tate, like, he, he's probably not going to be motivated by money. He doesn't, he doesn't understand really why he would need money because <laughs> it probably it's just there for him. But you know, that's why we work. We need money, so you know, he needs to he needs to wake up and want to go somewhere as well as being able to do the task well. I guess. So it is hard. Maybe it's hard, can help, it? help on a farm too with like feeding the animals and stuff since he loves. Yes. Yep. That. We've definitely the birds thought away. about that before. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's yeah. So <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, he'd probably just go off and do that instead. <laughs> no, but though, that's right. That's something very motivating to him as well, helping out with animals and that sort of thing. So, yeah, I think it's definitely something that I'll, that I'll look into with Tate's mum. But, yeah. I'm always open to ideas, but that's the challenge, isn't it? It's like mm -hmm. transitioning from school to adulthood and what you're going to do. And, you know, he does need to contribute somehow to yeah, life, to the family. And yeah, I mean, you guys aren't going to be there forever with him. And, exactly. you know, yeah. that's the scariest part of it is, you know, what, what do we do? And we're not here to, to guide his every day and, you know, yeah, exactly. take care of everything that he needs. So yeah. that may be a job yeah. for Tess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I'll let her know. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing too. Like, I think you know that they his sisters would be happy to support him in that way. But mm -hmm. you want them to have the option too. Yeah, know? absolutely. You want as many options as you can, and yeah, you want to set. I want the expectation for Tate to always be high. Always assume competence in him, and that you know he can do these things because otherwise we probably just won't we won't help him get there because we're just not aiming high. Well, 
Hannah, this has been so great. And I have loved talking to you. Is there anything, you know, just from your experience um, with Tate, and you've had a lot of experience. I mean, essentially, it's the same as mothering him, really. <laughs> You're, you know, just so involved in his every day. Is there anything that you would suggest to those of us um, with children on the spectrum of how to encourage them? And, you know, kind of like we talked about earlier, maybe a tip that you have or something about, you know, not losing our patience or, you know, taking the time that they need to accomplish a task, a task, however long that it may take, or just yeah. anything in general that you've learned from your time with Tate about yourself? Yeah. Well, that's tricky. I think, I think the thing that is always in the back of my mind is to assume competence in Tate and to just, like I was saying, um, that's what a, um, a speech pathology mentor said to me once was just like, assume competence, just aim high and then kind of work from there. And so I always just assume Tate can do absolutely everything. And I think that that's important because otherwise, you know, I might just assume, oh, he can't, he can't put his shoe on. And so I just don't let him do that. And so I think that's the main thing that I just keep in the back of my mind is like, he can just let him do absolutely everything. And then we'll go from there. <laughs> valuable takeaway that I can definitely start <laughs> implement a little bit more. It's just yeah. so hard to not baby them. It's faster. It's easier, yeah. like with feeding yeah. or anything else to yeah. hand them, you know, instead of handing them their cup, you just hold it yeah. and they drink out of For it. Sure. <laughs> so all those little, it's going to benefit them later in life, you know, definitely. Yeah, sure. Well, thank you so much. And I know it's a, a totally different day where you are. Oh, <laughs> so I'm you glad have your whole day. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, you have a good sleep. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Again, I appreciate this so much. And I'm glad we were able to work out the, the time differences and, and figure it out. Yeah. Um, Thank you so I, much for having me. Absolutely. I will link up your Instagram page for anyone that is not following you. I highly encourage the listeners to follow a mate like Tate on Instagram and you can see wonderful Tate's singing and all of his happiness. It will definitely uh, inspire a lot of you. So thanks again, Hannah. Awesome. Thank you. All right. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Living the Sky Life and we'll tune in for the next episode coming soon. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the Living the Sky Life podcast within Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play so you'll receive alerts when new episodes are released. Subscribing is the best way to ensure you don't miss a single episode. If you like what you hear, be sure to select the five-star rating, provide feedback, and share Living the Sky Life with others. Thanks again for listening.